Even if you don't know what a navel orange is, you've definitely eaten one. They're the world's most popular orange and very possibly the world's most flavorful. But where do these oranges come from? How did they become so popular? And why, or why, are they called navel oranges? All this and much more. I'm Chef Ben, this is Food in 5, and today we're looking into the brief history of navel oranges. Now, it is not uncommon for orange trees to grow mutated fruit. Even on the same tree, there can be different types of oranges, and this is exactly how the navel orange came into existence. It was first discovered in Brazil in the 1800s on trees that were introduced from Portugal. This particular mutation was sweeter and more flavorful than the other oranges on the tree. It also happened to be seedless. The Brazilians isolated this orange and grafted the branch that had grown it onto a sapling of another species of orange. Over time, this grew into the first navel orange tree. The Brazilians shared clippings from that original tree with the USDA in hopes that they would share it with the growers of the states. In the 1870s, Eliza Tibbs and her husband Luther moved to California, hoping to help join other people who shared their progressive ideals. The California home the Tibbs bought had a small amount of land, and so Eliza contacted the newly formed USDA regarding what she should grow on her land. The USDA responded by sending her two orange saplings. As it turns out, these were the first naval orange trees to be planted in the U.S. And one of these trees survives to this day, uh, surrounded by a fence marked by a plaque. Once Eliza's trees started to bear fruit, about five years after they were planted, people took notice. They had won first prize, her oranges had won first prize at the Southern California Horticultural Fair, and it wouldn't be long before people over the world were requesting, <laughs> excuse me, were requesting cuttings from Eliza's trees. In fact, the Tibbs made quite a lot of money selling clippings at one dollar apiece. Now around this time, the orange market was starting to take off in California, quickly becoming the second largest industry in the state. With its impeccable taste, these navel oranges, which grow in the winter, quickly became the standard for winter oranges. Now I should say here too that as the Tibbs were selling clippings around the world, they kind of propagated uh, the navel orange just from those two specific trees. And then later in the 1920s, there was a huge plague of insects in Brazil that killed all of the navel orange trees. And they were actually regrown from clippings produced by these original two trees. So now every navel orange in the world originates from these two trees grown by Eliza Tibbs. Now, for the first time, oranges were being shipped around the country. And to many people who had never seen an orange before, um, they were first introduced to navel oranges, which is funny because it was an orange that hadn't existed only a few short years before. Now, the name navel orange comes from where the stem connects to the orange tree. It looks kind of like a belly button. A navel orange is actually two oranges in one. They grow in pairs, but one is always underdeveloped. It stays under the skin and forms what looks like a navel. Now, if I'm being honest, before I started writing this, I actually thought they were called navel oranges because they were shipped through the navy and used to prevent scurvy. If I was wrong, it's because it looks like a navel. So, in only a few hundred years, the navel oranges spread around the world, spurred on by their excellent flavor and quality. Today, you can buy fresh navel oranges in the supermarket all winter long, and they add a nice contrast to the less flavorful fruits and vegetables that are forced to grow out of season. 
So there you have it, a brief history of navel oranges. I'm Chef Ben. This is Food and Five, brought to you by HowToNotBurnShit.com, your modern culinary manual. And you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Chef Ben Kelly, and on Facebook at Ben Kelly Cooks. You can like and subscribe to this menu, and you can tell you menu. Sorry, you can like and subscribe to this podcast, and you can tell your friends about it. Thank you all for listening. I'll be back tomorrow with another fantastic episode of Food and Five. And I think I'm going to talk about everything I know about North American Chinese food, which will be pretty exciting because I love North American Chinese food and I know quite a lot about it. So I will see you then. Have a fantastic Thursday, everybody. The week is almost over. I hope you're looking forward to it. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one.